Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales, where we believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We've included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part one of two, where we are talking to W.L. Brooks about her novels. Over the next two weeks, you will hear about telling stories as a kid, writing your novels in a few short weeks, having your novel torn apart by your editor, getting published with a small press, learning how to market your book, making sure you only keep around the scenes that tell about the story or the characters, and her advice to just write. Crossing a Fine Line, the McKay series, book five. Fletcher J. McKay has been shot, driven insane, and tortured by a madman. So what's one more psycho coming after her? But this foe's disturbing attempts to extinguish Fletcher's light leave her shaken. Running out of options, she must consort with the enemy. Fletcher is undoubtedly Sheriff Noah Reed's nemesis. Their discord began with an irrevocable outcome of an unforeseeable trauma— but duty demands he keeps her safe. The closer he gets, the more his loathing turns to lust. Devastated by loss, Fletcher agrees to go into Noah's protective custody. Passion takes them across the boundaries of their animosity. But is their tentative bond enough? Or is the line between love and hate, as with life and death, fixed? All right, so the name of the podcast is Freya's Fairy Tales, and that is fairy tales in two ways. Fairy tales are something that we either watched or listened to or read as children, and it is also the journey for you to spend weeks, months, or years working on your novel to get to hold that in your hands is kind of a fairy tale for you. So I like to start off with, what was your favorite fairy tale when you were a kid, and did that change as you got older? Um, I have kind of a weird one. The one I had my dad read to me the most was um, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Okay. So <laughs> that You're was the my first favorite. one to say that. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was my favorite one. And I still uh, love it today. I don't know why. Uh, though I'm petrified of bears. Like I have a fear of being mauled <laughs> to death. Okay. Like I live in. I live in the mountains and I'm like, oh, I hike so and there's bears. I'm like, like, please don't see me, please don't see me. <laughs> so, so it is but, a yeah, valid um, concern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Goldilocks and the Three Bears was always my favorite. Um, I just, I don't know. I guess it's partly searching for the right fit and that's life too. Mm-hmm. sometimes sure. it's hard sometimes it's soft and you just have to keep going until you find the one that's just right 
<laughs> yep. So. so at what age did you start writing? Even if it was like um, short stories or whatever. Oh, I started writing when I was little. I told stories from before I can remember. Like my grandpa used to tell tell us um, about the time I was really like maybe three and I, we were visiting them and he put me up on top of the bar and I just told this weird story to everybody. <laughs> um, I was like, okay. Uh, and I used to tell stories like on the bus on the way home from school, like ghost stories or something like that. Um, and I tell my mom stories. Uh, she was a nurse. So when she would go to sleep in the afternoon, I would like tell her stories. And um, I started like writing, writing, probably fourth grade, actually okay. like writing stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, and I was big into poetry for most of my life. So ever since I, when I, the minute I read Poe, I was all, <laughs> all about all poetry. poetry. I was like, that's it. This is Poe, it was poetry and I'm there for it, you know? Um, so Some yeah, deep, dark, depressing poetry, but that is what he does right. <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I like the dark and twisty stuff. I'm like, I prefer storm clouds to sunshine as far as like the weather. Mm -hmm. Like, I just like the way storm clouds make everything so green or, mm -hmm. you know, it just, uh, but yeah. So I didn't start writing books like until I attempted in high school. Um, I think I wrote a few pages. Because a friend was like, I wrote poetry all the time. And she's like, you should write a book. And I was like, um, okay. And I started, uh, I got a few pages in. And I I don't know, that was on a computer somewhere 20 some years ago. So um, then I hung it up and I wasn't a reader as a child. I was, um, TV was my best friend. And I, so I wasn't a big reader until like my mid-teens I one summer I got into reading and then um when I got in my 20s I borrowed a book from my mom and it was a Linda Howard kill and tell and I was like oh my god there's suspense and romance in the same <laughs> book I'm like wait what you mean they hide this kind of thing in books where have I been? And I, I like, I hit the books hard after that. I would read three books a day. Um, I just sit and read and read and read. And I was like, I could write, I could write something. And um, so I, I did, we had a, took a creative writing class in college just mm -hmm. for, you know, to get the credits. And um, so I came up with my character um, came up with Casey first. Uh, I was thinking about, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's her name? Linda, Ham Linda Hamilton? Yeah. In uh, Terminator 2, mm -hmm. when she's doing the pull-ups in the um, psych ward and stuff. And I was like, dude, she's so, you know, that, can you, I don't know if you can curse. 
curse on here. Oh but, yeah, uh, you're good. <laughs> but, uh, she's I so just badass. have them all flagged explicit so that I don't have to worry about it. But then I never tell anybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to like not because I have a I have a potty mouth. You're um, fine. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like she is so badass, and I was just like freaking. What if it was a girl, like a young girl, mm-hmm. and that's how I got Casey and she was like the older sister. Um, and then I wanted all the, I wanted different characters. So next was Fletcher who I did um, vignettes for in class and I did the voices and everything. And um, Fletcher's started out, uh, it started out with dear journal. Cause this ain't no damn diary. Pops wanted me to write a diary. Just because I got in trouble again, breaking into the sheriff's office. But this ain't a diary because I ain't a sis. And <laughs> that's how that's how Fletcher started. Um, and then I was like, oh, I added Alexandra. And then I added, I was like. So you were kind of building your characters before you actually started writing the story. Yeah, yeah. And then I had um, Charlie. So I kind of knew like. I knew who they were and I was going to write like them young and then have them be older, like in their books, like the backstory be when they were young. But my dad Mm -hmm. was like, well, why doesn't, why doesn't Pops get a story? Because Pops was their adopted father. Mm -hmm. And um, he's like, why doesn't he get a story? And I was like, I can do that. And so I wrote, <laughs> I wrote Pops' story, and then I wrote Casey's story, and then I wrote Charlie's story, and then I moved to Florida. Um, I packed everything in my car and uh, moved to Florida from Virginia. And That's a big move. Yeah, uh, I lived with a friend there and moved in with her. I was 24 and so I had to get a real job and I was like I want to finish these books before mm-hmm. so I wrote Alexander's story the rough draft in two weeks oh, and I wrote Fletcher's right after that in a week um and how long were these books that you're writing um Fletcher's was the first draft was like 307 pages but of course and you wrote it's that. Ch- in I mean, it totally changed. A week. Um, yeah, it, yeah, in a week, but it was like sun was to sun down writing. I imagine <laughs> I was twenty four, and uh, I could sit outside and I smoked then, so I could sit outside and smoke and write. And um, it was Florida, so it was February, but it was like seventy and beautiful. Right, I'm from Texas, so, so um, same. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can't complain. And. Um, yeah, so I finished it, um, and then I packed everything away in a box and got a job, and life happened for years. Um, I moved again and again and again. I got, um, so what year moved. was it that you wrote the two books? Was it just the two that you wrote that year? In um, three yeah, weeks? the two I wrote in, um, it was 2005. Five, okay. that I finished it. I started in 2003. Um, 
And then 2005, the beginning of 2005, I finished them. Okay. And then you packed them in a box, never to be seen again for some time. (laughs) So then what happened? Yeah, I packed them in a box for, it's like years um, until I started, I got the opportunity to work on my writing again. And I pulled them out after years and I found a professional editor and um, learned that I knew nothing. Um, (laughs) So it was pretty, she is an old school, like in her seventies. She'd been a writing teacher and creative writing teacher in college. And she did all this stuff and da, 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 da. And she was like, yeah, no. uh, so I had to rewrite everything because I had what um, there's different kinds of POVs. There's first person, second person, which is mainly in jur- uh, journalism, um, mm-hmm. and third person, third person, uh, simple, which is just he said, she said, and then third person omniscient, which is he said, she said, but it's an all knowing. Uh, it's like a know third-person narrator. Yeah, a yeah. Third, uh, yeah, like an actual sentient being, mm-hmm. um, like who knows everything. And regular third person is just being able to, it's like, you know, everything the character knows. You see everything the character sees, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't, they can't see it, experience it, or know it, then you don't either. Mm-hmm. So there's the difference. And the third person omniscient is very hard because it's it's a fine line between that and head hopping, mm-hmm. which is when you go from character to character to character. Well, let me tell you, it was head hopping like you wouldn't believe in this thing. I mean, it was just hoppity hop, hoppity hop, hoppity hop um, <laughs> the whole time. So I want to know what this person's thinking right now. I want to know what this person's yeah, thinking like, right now. I had everybody's <laughs> point of view. I had, and now that like I, most um, mainstream and traditional publishers won't take omniscient unless you're a big name already. Yeah, a big name, or you have. I mean, there has to be a reason why they would accept it because most of them will not accept omniscient. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Now I'm like, I probably could have, if I would have gone indie, and if I knew then what I know now, I could have fixed it. But I think it's, it turned out well after, um, after everything. And so I got the first one, I got the first manuscript back, which is Pops the Story. And she's like, yeah, you need to fix all that. So I fixed everything. And then I got this idea for another story and I was like (laughs) I'm gonna put this aside and I'm gonna write this new story and so I took like six months um to write between death and destiny it was like 121,000 words Mm -hmm. um and I mean I cut the crap out of it I it I mean I think it ended up being 80 something oh gosh Um, yeah, I cut a lot and I got, um, I'm with a small press. So I have, I got my, um, submitted and, you know, query letters and submissions and 
So what year up. what year did you start with the editor with the first two books versus like how long did the query process take you? Um I it took me let's see I started in I think 2013 let's say 2013 with the editor. Okay. I started querying in 20 I want to say the end of 2014. Okay. Um, and got my contract in 2015. Okay. And then Between so Death and Destiny came out. Not insane time frame for querying. No, no. Um, not too bad, but I, I wasn't afraid to go to a small press. Mm-hmm. And some people only do like, traditional houses some people only do agents um so I don't even know I probably put out like 30 queries um I think I sometimes you don't even hear back from them at all Mm -hmm. yeah but um yeah so I got my contract and in 2015 uh towards the end of the year and then between Death and Destiny came out December 2016, I want to say. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm still about dates. My memory is crap. And so that but, was yeah. your first book to actually be released was in 2016. So from 2005 yes. to 2016, that's 11 years yeah, sitting but, on books. <laughs> yeah, and this one... Fletcher's story comes out. The one I wrote in a week in 2025 comes out next week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's been, so I came up with these characters and like for the vignettes in 2002, 2003. And um, yeah, it had to be 03. So 20 years. So are you, so you released the first book with the small press. Was that one part of a series or was that one a one-off? Um, it was a one-off. It's a paranormal romance. Okay. Um, so it was different. It was a lot. I mean, I was older too, so it made a difference. And um, I mean, I love that book. Now I know a lot of different things, so I really like to get it and edit it. <laughs> like. There are so many things now that I know about, like, filtering and all of these things that I'd like to go in and change. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, so that was my first book. The second book was uh, Pop's Story, uh, Let the Dead Lie, and that's my McKay series. Um, and then The Secrets That Shape Us, Unearthing the Past, The Truth Behind the Mask, and now Fletcher's crossing a fine line and those are romantic suspense so so you went with a small publisher for the first one are they still the ones publishing your books are you doing them different yes they're still um I have the when they got the first book in the series they have first dibs so Mm -hmm. um I you I had to query every time but and send in a manuscript and sometimes I got that back and had to rewrite a bunch of things um Charlie's story which was unearthing the past I had to cut the first 40 pages oh gosh yeah and rework it so I did um and I mean it all turns out for the best 
Um, but yeah, so yeah. So you got this small press, they have first dibs, which to my understanding just means that like you have to go to them before you, you know, decide to do anything else with yeah. it. Yeah. With that series, not with like every book you ever write for the rest of your life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, with that series. Like they get first dibs on it. Um, to say the only way you could publish it separately from them is if they decline. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily we worked and I had the same um editor with the publisher each time. Um, so after you know, working together for years. It's kind of like, okay, and you learn to let go of a lot of things and you learn to cut a lot of things. And Mm -hmm. um, I was really lucky, like the small press that I'm with, um, it's all women ran and um, they, they're not stingy with information. They'll Mm -hmm. tell you stuff. They'll share with you. They have um, chats every week and you know, they'll help you as best they can. Mm-hmm. But with a small press, it's just like small press is just pretty much the same as indie, except the publisher does cover the formatting and they put out the book. Um, and generally it's wide. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But and I then- have to do all my own marketing, all my own stuff. And I have social anxiety disorder. So it's like, like no, I, it's really I it. noticed that you have a couple audiobooks. Did they do the audiobooks or did you do the audiobooks? They did the audiobooks. Um and then it got with Axe, it got too I don't know, complicated with between publisher Axe and the um narrators. So they stopped doing audiobooks altogether and they're like if you want to do that on your end it's okay but I'm a scaredy cat so it was easy (laughs) when I was like I was like here go ahead um like I haven't even like gone into a store and be like hey do you want to put my book yeah I can't it takes me (laughs) it takes me a lot to be able to do that I'm like um I'm definitely like usually I have my beanie on like Mm -hmm. and I can cover my face with my beanie um, because I get <laughs> handle it. So <laughs> they handled the audiobooks. Did you get any say in like who did the book or no? Um, yeah, they. You put in um, the audition. They'll you can put it out there on acts like what you are looking for, and then people can say, "Hey, I'm interested," and they'll send you stuff, and you can decline. Um, and all, but it's like, you don't want to, you know, only if you really don't like it, because if you can make it work, make it work because you don't know if someone's gonna, if you're going to get more. Mm -hmm. Um, so are you, are you talking about ACX? Yeah. Is that it? (laughs) I was like, I think that's what she means. (laughs) Okay, yeah, because you don't know, and I've heard recently, like, I've had authors that I've worked with before tell me that they'll get auditions with, like, people will do, like, they'll play a song for their audition, or it'll be AI for the audition. <laughs> so, like, oh my gosh, see, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I like, want to know what to do. 
I mean, it's easy to weed out the crappy ones when it's like robotic sounding or it's a song or like one person. Um, I've had two authors tell me the same thing. One person will submit auditions for books that's like a totally different book. And it's like, I'm a professional and this is my professional reel. And this should be good enough for your audition, even though you clearly uploaded a script that you wanted me to audition with. And everybody else is doing that. I just <laughs> like, the I audacity. I would be like, like <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. I'm so bad at like, I would just, I, mm. that would be an immediate no for me, but like, I mean, yeah, I'd be like, oh my gosh. And I mean, I hate to hurt anybody's feelings and I'm trying to get like over that, like, and be like, well, just so you know, you don't have to say anything to any of the ones you don't pick. The quantity of times I get a message from someone that doesn't. So say I put out 20 auditions, I might get one person saying, hey, we really liked your voice, but it's not a fit for this book. Most of them don't say anything. I just get the oh, wow. automated. Someone else has been picked for this option. book. <laughs> it is. I'm like, hmm. You like, could just listen and pick your favorite one and they will get a contract and everybody else gets an automated. Another producer has been picked for this book message. <laughs> I'm just, oh, wow. I, wow. Uh, yeah. I don't know things. I'm just like, <laughs> I let, you know, I was like, here, you want to do this for me? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So that's like, so Stormy, um, who you know, um, (laughs) that I'm narrating her books for her, whatever, she hadn't done any audiobooks prior to, um, I did the Femme audio takeover with three of her books last year. And then afterwards, like anyone that didn't have audiobooks already, of course, I'm going to do the smart thing. I'm going to message all of them and be like, hey, I really liked your book. Well, the ones that I really did like their book, because some of them I didn't want to (laughs) touch. But like, you know, I messaged them and I'm like, hey, like, if you're interested, I'm like, I'm happy to answer any questions, but I would also love to be your narrator. (laughs) So, like, yeah. and, And she was one of, I think, two authors that did end up hiring me for their books. So, like, it works out well. But, right? It does. Uh, They're doing another one, too, soon. Who? I think the Femme, femme Takeover. Yeah, in uh, on the 25th. So, which will be way before this episode airs. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they try generally every two months. They try, but, like, the person that does all the scheduling, it's been a while since the last one. Um, but, yeah, yeah, on I, the 25th. I we'll vaguely remember round. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's My crazy memory. too. Like, and this is this goes the same for like authors on TikTok, right? So, like, you know, when things start, any social media of any kind starts up, you have these small groups of people that are like, "Oh, let's go try it," right? And then it takes hold, and then you end up with like billions of authors or narrators or whatever doing this. So, when the fem narrator thing started, I remember it being. Ruthie and Paige and Allie and then they asked me to do it and then I reached out to like I didn't I hadn't even talked to some of these narrators dude I reached out to every narrator that was mutuals with me and was like hey or every femme narrator yeah. and it's like hey you want to do this thing and so like they ended up the original three ended up like including me in part of that because it was like hey you brought like all these extra people in um not that they couldn't have done that because they could have but like 
I had already done that. And so I was sending Ruthie and Paige like lists of here's all the ones I've reached out to. Right. And uh, so this go around, now I'm seeing like all these narrators that I've never even heard of before. My husband will show me his phone. He'll be like, hey, do you know who this is? And I'm like, I've never seen her face before. Oh, wow. So, I don't even. I'm there's so, so many uh, involved now. I don't, I don't, I usually don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know unless somebody t- like actually tells me yeah. what's happening. I just, I'm very much in my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the time. This I'm is. Like, it's fairly easy because it's like there's no commitment to ever work with the narrator. So like, yeah, it, it doesn't. I, I mean, you're sending like last time. Yeah. So like I ask for like three to five hundred words if you have the cover for the book. So far, I have three authors that I'll be doing and all three of them are unreleased books. All three of them oh, are wow. books that aren't out yet. So like I had someone message me actually four if you count Stormy, but I think the enhancement is out technically. Anyways, so like three of them, though, two of them, one is my husband, one is um, like an author that I've interviewed on here. She messaged me yesterday and was like, hey, does it have to be a released book? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not for me. Some narrators may not want to do a like not released book, but I'm all for it. So <laughs> I don't even need it to be edited. I had to edit my husband's piece before. <laughs> He sent me like a section of this like really cool fight scene, and I'm like, some of these words because he's like on first draft with his right now. Oh, so yeah. I'm like, we're just gonna we're gonna clean it up in pro writing aid first. <laughs> <laughs> so, Absolutely, I am Absolutely. supposed to be the person editing his book, but I'm waiting until he's done with it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Anyway, it helps when it's like you have it all, and then yeah. Well, and then because you're also like, I'll also be looking for like developmental stuff too, which you need the whole book to know. Yeah, whatever. exactly. So, like, I've read the first couple chapters of it and there was a couple sections where I'm like, hey, if you're going to say stuff like this, you need to explain it a little bit more because it may make sense in your head, but I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like every author has that problem at some point. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of like, it's basically you don't want to info dump. You know all the things. Yes. But you're not telling me all the things. Um, I have, yeah, I've had friends and I'm like, dude, you need to, you know, I'm like, tell me about, I'll talk to him. I'm like, hey, so tell me about so-and-so. And I'll be like, da 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 I'm like, okay, now take that and show me. Because you have all the answers, but you're not putting it here. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, you know the characters, you know all the things, or some people do some, I guess, as they write, like, I'm a pantser, so I just kind of yeah. go with it, but, you know, you know all the things, and who they are, and all this stuff, but sometimes we forget that we have to tell others right. who, and what, and all that stuff, so. Yeah, that's, I'm yeah. a... Kind of. So I'm working on my own book right now. I'm eight, nine thousand words in at this point. Um, this is the second book because, like you, I started one, got thirty thousand words in, and was like, "Ooh, squirrel, let's go write this <laughs> yeah, book." That's the okay. <laughs> so I'm working on that one. Has I would call it an outline. 
but not a plan. It's like each chapter has, I have the chapter name and I have like the major, like not even a sentence, like 10 word plot point that needs to happen in that chapter. Like that is my plan. That is all I have. (laughs) The rest of it's pants. My characters weren't (laughs) developed ahead of time. My location wasn't even developed ahead of time. I'm like, it's it's a winter one, and I'm like, I want them to be on sleigh rides. So I'm like, what states have, get enough snow that there can be sleigh rides? Right. <laughs> Research. Find it. I described it as being on, like, a town square. So I'm like, I need to find a place with a cute town square. <laughs> right. You just make it up. But, oh, Basically. Like, the area. <laughs> the area. That's what I did with... um. Between Death and Destiny, I did like in like a northern, I didn't, it's just make believe town. And I don't ever really say what state it is. So it could okay. be anywhere. <laughs> um, and then here I did, um, so I set it in uh, my McKay series, I set it in the North Carolina mountains and a pretend town named Blue Creek. And then when I got um, when I moved from Florida, I got lost here okay. in the North Carolina mountains. And I've been here for, what, 16 years now? Okay. So, yeah, I ended up here. But, I mean, <laughs> I made up, I made the town up. Um, and it's I really weird. The city next good... to me is the name of my character. <laughs> I'm not a good maker upper i'm a good like um so for example i was like making the llc for publishing the books or whatever and i'm like i want it to be something like and like every word so i'm like okay my favorite animals penguins can't use penguin in the name because penguin random house can't use that so i'm like going through all these things and i'm like well okay what kind of books will i be writing and i'm like okay so like fantasies and like romances and like that kind of genre or whatever so then I go to like synonym.com and I find like (laughs) what are similar words that sound cooler (laughs) then I come up with something that's like my process for everything so like my book that I'm writing currently is a beauty and the beast retelling well I didn't want to use bell or beauty I needed it to be so what other names mean beautiful pick one like (laughs) So I'm not a good maker-upper. I am a good, like, think outside the box to find an answer. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes you got to go around about to get to where you're going. And it's fun. <laughs> it makes the journey more fun. W.L. Brooks liked Goldilocks and the Three Bears growing up. Goldilocks and the Three Bears is a 19th century English fairy tale of which three versions exist. The original version of the tale tells of an obscene old woman who enters the forest home of three anthropomorphic bachelor bears while they're away. She eats some of their porridge, sits down on one of their chairs and breaks it, and sleeps in one of their beds. When the bears return and discover her, she wakes up, jumps out of the window, and is never seen again. The second version replaces the old woman with a young girl named Goldilocks and the third and by far best-known version replaces the Bachelor Trio with a family of three. What was originally a frightening oral tale became a cozy family story with only a hint of menace. The story has elicited various interpretations and has been adapted to film, opera, and other media. Goldilocks and the Three Bears is one of the most popular fairy tales in the English language. 
Today we'll be reading The Story of the Three Bears. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Story of the Three Bears Once upon a time there were three bears, who lived together in a house of their own in a wood. One of them was a little small wee bear, and one was a middle-sized bear, and the other was a great huge bear. They had each a pot for their porridge, a little pot for the little small wee bear, and a middle-sized pot for the middle bear, and a great pot for the great huge bear, and they had each a chair to sit in a little chair for the little small wee bear, and a middle-sized chair for the middle bear, and a great chair for the great huge bear. And they had each a bed to sleep in, a little bed for the little small wee bear, and a middle-sized bed for the middle bear, and a great bed for the great huge bear. One day after they had made the porridge for their breakfast and poured it into their porridge pots, they walked out into the wood while the porridge was cooling that they might not burn their mouths by beginning too soon to eat it. And while they were walking, a little old woman came to the house. She could not have been a good, honest old woman. For first, she looked in at the window, and then she peeped in at the keyhole. And seeing nobody in the house, she lifted the latch. The door was not fastened because the bears were good bears who did nobody any harm and never suspected that anybody would harm them. So the little old woman opened the door and went in. And well pleased she was when she saw the porridge on the table. If she had been a good little old woman, she would have waited till the bears came home. And then, perhaps, they would have asked her to breakfast, for they were good bears. A little rougher so as the manner of bears is, but for all that very good-natured and hospitable. But she was an impudent, bad old woman, and set about helping herself— So first, she tasted the porridge of the great huge bear, and that was too hot for her, and she said a bad word about that, and then she tasted the porridge of the middle bear, and that was too cold for her, and she said a bad word about that too, and then she went to the porridge of the little small wee bear and tasted that, and that was neither too hot nor too cold, but just right, and she liked it so well that she ate it all up. But the naughty old woman said a bad word about the little porridge pot because it did not hold enough for her. Then the little old woman sat down in the chair of the great huge bear, and that was too hard for her. And then she sat down in the chair of the middle bear, and that was too soft for her. And then she sat down in the chair of the little small wee bear, and that was neither too hard nor too soft, but just right so she seated herself in it. And there she sat till the bottom of the chair came out and down she came, plump upon the ground. And the naughty old woman said a wicked word about that too. Then the little old woman went upstairs into the bedchamber in which the three bears slept. And first she lay down upon the bed of the great huge bear, but that was too high at the head for her. And next she lay down upon the bed of the middle bear, and that was too high at the foot for her. And then she lay down upon the bed of the little small wee bear, and that was neither too high at the head nor at the foot, but just right. So she covered herself up comfortably and lay there till she fell fast asleep. 
By this time, the three bears thought their porridge would be cool enough, so they came home to breakfast. Now the little old woman had left the spoon of the great huge bear standing in his porridge. Somebody's been at my porridge, said the great huge bear in his great rough, gruff voice. And when the middle bear looked at his, he saw that the spoon was standing in it too. They were wooden spoons. If they had been silver ones, the naughty old woman would have put them in her pocket. Somebody's been at my porridge, said the middle bear in his middle voice. Then the little small wee bear looked at his, and there was the spoon in the porridge pot, but the porridge was all gone. Somebody's been at my porridge and has eaten it all up, said the little small wee bear in his little small wee voice. Upon this, the three bears, seeing that someone had entered their house and eaten up the little small wee bear's breakfast, began to look about them. Now the little old woman had not put the hard cushion straight when she rose from the chair of the great huge bear. Somebody's been sitting in my chair, said the great huge bear in his great rough, gruff voice. And the little old woman had squatted down the soft cushion of the middle bear. Somebody's been sitting in my chair, said the middle bear in his middle voice. And you know what the little old woman had done to the third chair? Somebody's been sitting in my chair and has sat the bottom out of it, said the little small wee bear in his little small wee voice. And the three bears thought it necessary that they should make further search. So they went upstairs into their bedchamber. Now the little old woman had pulled the pillow of the great huge bear out of its place. Somebody's been lying in my bed, said the great huge bear in his great rough, gruff voice. And the little old woman had pulled the bolster of the middle bear out of its place. Somebody's been lying in my bed, said the middle bear in his middle voice. And when the little small wee bear came to look at his bed, there was the bolster in its place, and the pillow in its place upon the bolster. And upon the pillow was the little old woman's ugly, dirty head, which was not in its place, for she had no business there. Somebody's been lying in my bed, and here she is! said the little small wee bear in his little small wee voice. The little old woman had heard in her sleep the great rough gruff voice of the great huge bear, but she was so fast asleep that it was no more to her than the roaring of wind or the rumbling of thunder. And she had heard the middle voice of the middle bear, but it was only as if she had heard someone speaking in a dream. But when she heard the little small wee voice of the little small wee bear... It was so sharp and so shrill that it awakened her at once. Up she started, and when she saw the three bears on one side of the bed, she tumbled herself out at the other and ran to the window. Now the window was open, because the bears, like good tidy bears as they were, always opened their bedchamber window when they got up in the morning. Out the little old woman jumped, and whether she broke her neck in the fall or ran into the wood and was lost there or found her way out of the wood and was taken up by the constable and sent to the house of correction for a vagrant as she was, I cannot tell. But the three bears never saw anything more of her. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for the conclusion of W.L.'s journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands, and to hear another of her favorite fairy tales.